Well, as you know, this year our theme is wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. And we're working our way through the book of Luke. We've chosen Luke because, sorry guys, I'm just moving my mic a bit because it's falling off. We've chosen the book of Luke because Luke brings out some of the human aspects more than some of the other Gospels. And as we talked about it and planned a little bit for the year and wrestled with what God was doing, we came across, you know, it's really hard to be like Jesus if you don't know what he was like. And um, the Gospels tell us and show us what Jesus was like. So we're spending our time in the Gospels. And I'm going to use the same passage I did this morning, but hopefully I'm going to come at it from a slightly different angle. But the main verse I want you to get hold of tonight is Luke chapter 2, verse 49. Luke chapter 2, verse 49, and it says this. So let me set the scene. They've been at the the festival, the Passover festival, uh, Jesus and his family, as usual, in Jerusalem. And they're on their way back to Nazareth. They get a day into the journey, and mum and dad, Mary and Joseph, discover that Jesus isn't there. They've lost him, which is a nightmare for any parent. They've lost him. So they turn around, they take a trek back to Jerusalem for a day. Then they spend a whole day looking for Jesus. And finally, they find him in the temple. When they find him, Mary says this, Son, how many of you know that if that's the way your mum starts a conversation, you're in trouble? Son? Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Jesus replies, he says, But why did you need to search? Didn't you know? that I must be about my father's business. Or the Greek actually says, didn't you know that I must be about my father? About my father. Because everything Jesus did, even from the age of 12, and we've got quite a young audience tonight, even from, Pastor Ray liked that because I glanced his way. That's right, you're welcome. I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can to help. And now I've forgotten what I was saying. Um, this because I'm getting older. Even from the age of 12, Jesus knew exactly what he was about. He knew why he was here. He knew who he was, which is evident from this, because he says, didn't you know that I must be about my father's? His identity was established in his father, which begs me to ask the question, where is our identity established? I was thinking about this this afternoon, and if I get this wrong, I know I'm in serious trouble, but I'm going there, step of faith. Batman. Batman. Probably came to the top of my head because my son's just put this huge, scary, life-size Batman head in his bedroom. Batman. What's his name? Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, when he was a kid, was at an evening out with his parents. And his parents got murdered. When his parents got murdered, it threw Bruce Wayne's world into turmoil. And the net result was his identity became rooted in that turmoil. And out of that came this dark night figure. Did you like that? Just a little, that's pretty good, eh? That this dark night figure called Batman. 
that was going to take on the world, that was going to crush evil and everything else. But his identity was actually in a tragedy. His identity was in the fact that his parents was killed, were killed. One of the other movies that Batman features, I don't know which one it is, but this, this guy, I always thought he was a nice guy in the films. And then something happens to him. It's an absolute tragedy. Half his face gets melted off and he becomes a villain two-face because his identity was now rooted in the tragedy that caused his disfigurement. And I think we all have moments in our lives where we choose where our identity is rooted. For me, it was 1989 on the 15th of December. I went to work like any other day. I was working like any other day. I, was, I just put an engine back in a car and we were starting it up and it went horribly wrong and it exploded. It exploded with such force that it picked me up off the ground, threw me on the wall. When I hit the wall, I had a big open tin of petrol. The petrol went all over me and boom, I went up in flames. Half my body looked like Two-Face. I had burns, uh, second degree burns to 50% of my body. And I had third third degree burns to a third of my body. If you know about third degree burns, not much you can do with those as you put skin grafts on them. Horrible, horrible. When that happened, I was about as far away from God as I could be and I was running away as fast as I could. And suddenly I'm confronted with with this choice where I am absolutely mangled. I remember for for weeks, my hands, everything was all twisted up like this and all stuck down. And I remember starting to do the therapy and everything to make everything work again. I mean, my arm was all stuck down. I was in the bath. I'm just going to gross you out now. And I was in the bath in the hospital and the nurse said to me, you're going to hate me in a moment, but you'll love me for the rest of your life. I had no idea what she was talking about. She just grabbed my elbow and went, and tore my side open. It was horrendous. But I had a choice because I'd known God and I'd run from God. At that point, and it wasn't just like, and it was all okay, but at that point of my life, I had a choice. I could either suddenly start to operate out of tragedy, out of mishap, and let that define me and push me in the direction I was going, or I could allow the circumstances to arrest me and I could decide that actually I needed to find my identity in Christ. I went that way, the Christ way. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. You suddenly, you've been running away from God for a few years and you suddenly say, well, I'm going the wrong way. I'm going to go this way now. That's not easy. You're riddled with guilt. You're riddled with shame. You're riddled with, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be alive. Would God even accept me if I ran back to him now? Or is he going to push me away and say, well, you chose that. It's your problem. But no, he embraces you and says, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you that if I told you right now, you would not believe. And I wouldn't have believed wouldn't have believed but some years later too many to count here I am my identity is in Christ am I perfect? no, far from it don't get the wrong picture no different than you on the journey try my best or making mistakes but my identity is in Christ I'm secure in Christ I know where I came from I know where I'm going I know what I'm about I know what God's asked me to do 
and I read this passage of Jesus and I go, yeah, maybe I'm just a little bit more like him than I thought I was. He knew where he was from, he knew what it was about and he knew what he had to do. I thought, well, it's been a long journey to get here, but maybe, just maybe, I'm starting to get it. And there's choices that we make on the way, and this is what's quickened in my spirit tonight, is that each of us have various opportunities where we can anchor our identity. Maybe you were bullied at school. You can anchor your identity in that, or you can anchor your identity in Christ, who He says you are. Maybe you had an accident or a tragedy take place. And it doesn't take away from the the magnitude of what happened or the tragedy, but you can anchor your identity in that or you can anchor your identity in Christ. He can't do that for us. It's our choice. And we get presented with these moments along life's journey where we can make choices like that. Can I ask you where your identity is anchored? Where is your identity secured? See, Jesus, even from the age of 12, said, My Father. I've got to be about my Father. That's who I'm about. I'm about my Father. I'm about my Father's stuff. I'm about His business. I'm about His house. I'm about His affairs. I'm all about my Father. It says in verse 52 that Jesus grew in wisdom and He grew in stature and He grew in favour with God and all the people. I believe that that verse is there because His identity, He knew who He was. And, you know, we can wait until we're older to try and get our identity sorted out or we can establish our identity in Christ when we're young. I think we're all young tonight. I know, thank you. We can establish our... It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you'll never make a mistake. It doesn't mean you'll never lose the plot again. It doesn't mean that bad stuff won't happen. What it means is my identity is in Christ. And when all that stuff happens... According to Matthew 7.21, it tells me that when I listen to the teachings or hear the teachings of Christ and then I do what they say to the best of my ability, the storms of life will come. Has anyone ever experienced storms? Because you haven't, just live a little bit longer. They're coming. It's life. I'm not a pessimist. It's just life. The storms will come. And it says the wind will blow and batter and rampage, but the house that is built on the foundation of obedience to the teachings of Christ will stand and stand firm. And the next part of the scripture says, But those who hear the teachings of Christ and choose not to obey them or to ignore them are like the builder who builds his house on sand. And the storms will come. And the storms will rage and the storms will batter and the storms will be severe, just like the other one. But this time, the house will fall flat. This is all about the foundation that we're building on. The foundation is the truth of God. And can I speculate a little and say that the foundation is having our identity in Christ. And that's God's desire for all of us. 
our identity in Christ. We've lost that, many of us. Our nation has completely lost that. Our nation says put, our culture says, your identity is whatever you want your identity to be. It's in whatever you want it to be. You just pick anything. If you want to identify with the trees, good on you. You can be a tree. Cool. It's ridiculous, isn't it? When you think about it. I don't look like a tree. Well, maybe I do. Resemblance. But I'm not a tree. You know, it says whatever, it says whatever you want to put it in. So, so then we have this huge crisis, which we ministered into last Sunday night, and that we have this identity crisis in our nation. No one really knows who they are. We'll, we'll uh, stand for anything. What is it? Fall for anything? Stand for nothing. Because we don't know who we are. We don't know truth. We don't know who we're established in. The Word of God is truth. And He says, you build your, your life on this foundation. And when the storms come and the identity attacks come and everything else comes, you will stand firm. But I don't know about you on a bad day. If my identity's in myself on a bad day, that's a, that's a bad scenario. If, if, if all I can do is muster up, because the God of our age is ourselves, yes, essentially, it's ourselves. We worship ourselves. If we're not worshiping God, you're worshiping someone. Our nation worships itself. If I'm my God, if what I say is truth to me, if everything I think is truth, this is all little T truth, that's a shaky foundation because I could be here today and gone tomorrow. Yet the Word of God remains eternal, lasts forever. The truth of Christ is capital T. It does not change. It's a foundation we can build on, be sure of. I love the fact that science just keeps proving over and over and over and over again that the Bible's right. The smarter we get, the more we work out it's right. Quite amazing. Father, I ask that you would draw us to yourself tonight. Lord, any fear that any person is carrying in this room that would stop them climbing up on your knee, so to speak, I break its power in the name of Jesus. Father, any reality that people have faced and walk through that would stop them climbing on your knee I break its control and I break its power in Jesus name and Father in this place tonight for every person I release your identity I declare by faith that as we take hold of you our identity would be firmly planted in you in truth, in love, and that we would journey with you, that we would walk with you, that we would love you, that we would allow you to love us. Father, for any of us sitting here tonight going, I don't think that applies to me, I ask that you give us a revelation that we really are broken. 
that we're not as good as what we think we are. And at the end of the day, we're sunk without you. I thank you that you sent Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you came. I thank you that you went to the cross. I thank you that you suffered terribly on our behalf so that we could say yes to you. I thank you that you suffered terribly on our behalf so that as we said yes to you, we could be planted firmly in you. That our identity would radiate from you. And that you've purposed each one of us to be on this planet and this place at this time out of all history because you knew now was the time that we would reach toward you. Father, for every person in this place tonight that would be jostling with truth, jostling with identity, jostling with the decision of whether they lean into you or lean into whatever their mind's telling them. I ask that a conviction of truth would fall in this place right now in Jesus' name. That would steer us very, very clearly toward you. Father, I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you that your love toward us is immeasurable. I thank you that your scriptures tell us that nothing can separate you from us from your love. Nothing. No matter how high, no low, how wide. That your love conquers all. And where we don't get it tonight, because we all don't get it, Lord. I ask that you'd fill in the blanks for us. We don't need to get it. What we need is you. And I pray that as we embrace you, as we step into your presence, as we allow you to love on us, and do our best, our feeble best to love you back, that each of us would find wholeness in Jesus' name.